business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hi, everyone. This is Walt Bayless. Thanks so much for joining me. This is the Business and People podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled to have a gentleman scholar on the call with me, somebody that has mastered the art of succession planning, making sure that your business has an exit strategy. And of course, that's where a lot of business owners make a really huge cash windfall, but you've got to do it the right way. He's also got a doc, he's working on his doctorate towards business administration and focusing on employee share ownership, being able to construct your team and build them with ownership in the businesses that you're working in. He's also a legend in strategic business and financial mentoring. He is none other than Craig West. Craig, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, it's really great. Now, as I was looking for, uh, we're always looking for guests. You know, we're looking for interesting people who have done interesting things. And your name jumped out at me as somebody that's focused in on a specific area for business owners, and that's making sure that they can exit properly. How did you get started into that sort of space? Yeah, my background's in accounting, so which I absolutely hated, but uh, ran an accounting practice, helped a lot of clients work through the normal things that accountants do with the compliance found that a little bit boring and really not significantly adding any value for clients. Mm -hmm. And so started to look specifically at what happened when they sold their business. And I did a master's degree in tax law, spent a lot of time helping business owners and other accountants on capital gains tax when people sold their business. What happened when I did that was I saw a lot of business exits that were really badly done. People selling at the wrong time, wrong structure, too much tax, wrong price, wrong buyer, you name it, everything you could get wrong people were getting wrong. And it was mainly because they didn't know what they were doing. And there wasn't really anyone out there that was specifically focused on exit planning. Yeah. Um, It's a whole industry in the United States. So I actually took some time off. I did some study. I went over there and looked at what they were doing. And I found there was not really a lot of academic structure or process behind preparing a business for exit. Right. And yet... For most business owners, it's probably their largest asset. For most of us, it's yeah. a bigger asset than our family home. Yeah, definitely. And yet we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to get out of it. We don't know how to cash it in. Yeah. So I decided to build a process to help business owners do everything they needed to do to prepare for an exit. So obviously, here are. you know, here we are. Here we are. So obviously, as as we as we talk uh, on this on this interview, you know, we, we were talking to people around the world, not just Australia, but in the states, in the UK, in Europe, wherever. Um, are the principles of preparing a business for exit, you know, without getting into tax law in each country, are they the same, Craig? Are we are we talking about the same sort of things that they need to have in mind? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a couple of key things, but. A lot of what we do with business owners to help them prepare for an exit is just smart business anyway, whether you're exiting or not. Yeah. For example, things like corporate governance. You know, once you get to a certain size, you need to have a board and you need to have a management structure and you need to have a reporting framework. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily stop when you're going to exit. Every business above a certain size should have that anyway, whether they're exiting or not. And so a lot of what we do, it's certainly internationally applicable. Yeah. There's only, you know, we've got a 21-step process and only one of those steps actually relates to taxation. Wow, okay. So the other 20 steps are universally the same. Now, there's some rules that are different in Australia around putting money into superannuation versus in the US where you put into a 401k. Yep. But its underlying principle yep. is basically the same. And the, the business itself and the preparation you need to do is largely the same. Do you think, thank you, I appreciate that. Do you think that the, um, 
the average business owner. Now, I've sold uh, seven <laughs> businesses along my time already, and we've got a current, currently running three. Um, do you feel that you mentioned business owners when they're exiting, a lot of the time are doing it at the wrong time. They make a lot of mistakes. Do you think that the planning for the exit should be done way before the exit's even dreamed about? Yeah, I always quote Steve Covey. Um, Steve Covey's second habit of the seven habits is begin with the end in mind. And he actually talks about mm. exit planning for a business, you know, having a strategy around when and where you're going to exit. Mm. I have never heard anyone say they wish they'd started exit planning later. Yeah, right. um, They all should have started earlier. You know, universally, unfortunately, it's something that it's easy to avoid. It's easy to leave it. It's easy yeah. to say, oh, I'll do that later. Yeah. I'm only 50. Then I'm it doesn't even come into your mind when you're kicking start, when you, you know, you no, it doesn't. Yeah. But if you think about it the other way around, if you think about the fact that whatever you do in business for the next 5, 10, 15 years, the big money, the cash, the check that you're going to get when you exit is the biggest money you're ever going to make in your life. Yes. Why wouldn't you spend as much time as possible trying to get that right? Maximising it. What are, some yeah, of the mistakes that, what are some of the mistakes that business owners make early, Craig? Like what are the things that they do early in their career that they, they need to take a good hard look at themselves now? The first one is just don't do anything about exiting. They, they don't think about it. They don't have a strategy. They don't have an idea around who might buy their business or how. And I always tell people, you know, that begin with the end in mind is really easy to say. But actually what you need to do is sit down and think, okay, if I want to sell this business for $20 million, what do I need to build? Yep. Now, what, now, people can do that with a house. If you want to build a $5 million house in Sydney, you go, okay, I've got to be near the water, I've got to have this many bedrooms, I've got to have a pool, and I've got to... It's easy. Yeah. But with These business, people need. just ignore it. They just forget about it. So yeah. I think the key thing is start with what do I want to build to get that exit outcome? And when... And it's the I same... Just- it's not always about money. Some people, they're not interested in selling their business for $20 million. Some people want to build a really good business to pass on to their children. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Think about what your end game is and design a business that does that for you. Wow. So I literally plan it out. Like, what am I hoping to get out of this in terms of, you know, wherever you find yourself today, whether you're an entrepreneur getting started, whether, you know, you're deep in the trenches of getting growth happening, all that kind of stuff. Think about how do you want this to look 10 years, 15, 20 years down the line and just literally put a map in place. Yep. I just published an article on LinkedIn and it was called What Does Your Business Look Like in 2039? As in 20 years from now. Yep. Because one of the worst things we do, and it's all business owners do it, one of the worst things we do is we leave everything and focus on the day-to-day. We've got to lodge a bass. We've got to do this report. We've got to do that. You know, there's a whole stack of other things going on. But we don't spend the time on the strategy. We're very short-term thinkers. We're worried about what's happening between now and Christmas at the moment. Yeah. Every business owner I talk to, I've got to do this in December, I've got to do that. I go, that's great. What are you doing in 2020? What are you doing in 2025? And what does 2030 look like? Mm. And, oh, that's too far away. I haven't even thought about that, which is fine because you're busy, but it doesn't give you the best outcome. And yeah, this, sure. this problem happens with, you know, it happens in listed companies. CEOs of listed companies are so caught up in the stock market reporting cycle. They're worried about this quarter's results. Now, if I've got shares in, let's pick on someone, Westpac Bank, yep. I don't care what happens this quarter. I care what those shares are worth in 10 years' time. Yeah, I sure. want the guy or girl that's running that bank to be thinking about how they build value over 10 years, not this quarter. Yeah, sure. And, and small business, whilst it's different, it's actually the same. Tell me about that. Like they still need to think the same things. Absolutely. If you're a business owner, you need to think about what do I want to do 
what does my exit strategy look like? What's the end game look like? Yeah. And then what are the things I need to build and design and put in place to deliver that to me? I think so many people go into business and they get caught up almost like you go into a, you know, you jump in a kayak in a river with rapid flowing current and you just have to go where the current goes. Most business owners end up doing something like that. They just get dragged along. Yeah. Five years later, they look back and go, shit, wow. how did I get here? Why yeah. am I here? I'm, I'm in the wrong river for a start. <laughs> and it doesn't do what I want it to do and I have to work stupid hours and I'm not making the money I should be making and I can't sell it because it's all dependent on me. And they've just let that happen. Do you see and that often? proactively right? managing it. Do you see that often, mate? All the time. Yep. Every day. Yeah. And I, am I and right I think in that's saying part like, of the problem. Say again, mate. I think that's part of the problem. It's yeah. so common. People are yeah. so used to it. Everyone sort of go, oh, yeah, that's all right. Everyone that's how that. business is. <laughs> Everyone does that. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. We're no different from it. Doesn't have to be. Can I? Can I ask you, Craig? Um, it seems to me as you're as you're talking about the plan, you're talking about putting things in place right now that will help the structure in you know ten years, fifteen, twenty years time. Am I right in saying that a lot of those things that you put in place don't take a lot of initial momentum to do? I mean, it might just be as simple as a form filled out or a you know a contact here or there. Like it, it there's not a lot that's needing to be done to make a big progress down the line. Is, is that accurate? Absolutely. And it's just about dedicating some time from the owner or the founder or the CEO or whatever structure you've got. Yeah. Just dedicate some time, but dedicate time all regularly. Like every Friday, I work from home every Friday. Yeah. Hardly ever miss. Um, and I just spend that day working on something in my business. I might be writing an article. I might be writing a new sales campaign. I might be designing some sort of new system mm-hmm. or process or something that we're going to, a new product that we're going to release. But it's all about working on the business. The problem is when you're running a business, you get so caught up day to day that you don't do that. And then yeah, oh, I'll miss this I'll miss this Friday because we're busy. Right. And then you miss next Friday and after three months, you never do it again. And you don't spend that time. And you're right. If you just dedicate the time to do it now, you'll get those things and just start ticking them off one by one. Just have the yeah the continual little drips coming through as you as you absolutely so mate you as well as uh, being an expert in succession planning um, of course you're the the CEO and, and founder of Succession Plus which is which is your own company uh, yep. was it twenty years now that you that that's been up and running ten, ten, ten years old this year ten yep. years how's that growth been for you um, yeah look it's been I mean interestingly I do follow my own structure we designed a process and a methodology we wrote a business plan that all the shareholders agreed with. And we update that annually. We have two conferences every year and at the first one in the year, which is early in the year, late January, early February, we sit down and review that strategy. Where are we at? Are we still still doing this? Is that still appropriate? Does anything in the market change? You know, does does our business model need some refinement because it's no longer appropriate? And I think that's important. But what that's delivered is, you know, substantial growth over that period of time. We've now got 20-odd advisors all around the country in every capital city. They're all trained and accredited with our process so they understand our methodology. Yep. And what we're seeing, you know, our marketplace um, hasn't changed but we've got a lot of, there's a lot of baby boomers in Australia heading towards retirement Mm. and most of them haven't done a lot about preparing well to retire if they're a business owner, that is. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting, you know, you see the difference. Individuals generally go and see a financial planner, put money into super. They they know what they need to do to get ready to go, okay, at 70 I'm going to retire. And I'll be, I'll be able to do that. I can afford it. I've got investments, etc. I paid off my home loan, whatever. As a business owner, we tend not to do that. And then it becomes a dramatic rash. It's like panic palace. We've got to suddenly work everything out. 
Yeah. And you can't do that when you when you're 70 years old, you're not in a good space to do that. Yeah, because you have a time to do it when you're 50. Beautiful. Absolutely. So um, uh, how do you spend your days now? You've got, as you said, 20, uh, 20 associates around Australia. Uh, are you still face-to-facing with customers or are you more about managing the team now? No, I'm much more about managing the team and managing our advisors. So they deal with the customers primarily. I still deal with a couple of key clients. Yeah. Um, and I, what I spend most of my time on is dealing with relationships with people like Macquarie Bank, for example, or you know, referral partners that refer, accountants that refer us work because that's really key. For yeah. our business, yeah, but it's important to me to have the advisors dealing with clients day to day. But what I often do is sit down and look at the business and look at where I'm seeing stress or tension or you know roadblocks or barriers in our business and working out what I can do about fixing them. Yeah, right. and sometimes I can't fix them, but I go and find out who can and mm. talk to that person and find out what we need to do to just remove that. And you know, I'm a bit of a fan around this, you know, sort of one percent improvement model where. I'll go and find something and say, okay, if I can fix that little piece, it's only a little piece, but if I can fix it, 1% improvement. Yeah, right. And if you do that once a week, by the end of the year, by definition, that's a 50% improvement. It's a big number. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. number, isn't it? But it doesn't feel like it as, you, as you're taking those micro steps forward. The, um, no, and if you said to a business owner at the start of the year, right, I want you to improve by 50%, like, I can't do that. Yeah. You can do not, 1% not a week. Every week, Absolutely. Touching a, 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 as you said, a roadblock here, a blockage yeah. there. If we can iron something out in, in terms of a kink. So you started by saying that uh, when you were, you know, going through that accountancy uh, beginning of your career and hating that uh, element of it, and now you're much more into that strategic, um, I guess, role. Not only for your business, but for your clients as well, helping them think about that strategy and, and iron out their own kinks and have those those one percent improvements. Have you found a lot more joy in that sort of space for yourself? Oh, absolutely. I think people generally, everybody is far better when they're doing something they enjoy doing. Yeah, definitely. And that doesn't matter whether you're a young kid, you know, washing up dishes in a restaurant or whether you're a 50-year-old accountant now doing strategic advice. You've got to be doing something you enjoy doing. People are naturally better at things they enjoy doing. But I also think for me, it's about, you know, there's a whole niche space here and I'm, I'm big into niches. I tell all my clients, find your niche and get really, really good at it. Don't try and do 55 different things. Just find one thing yeah. and be really, really good at it. You know, be the best at it that you can be. So I think you have to specialise to allow you to do that. But I also enjoy what I do. You know, I don't, I don't get up every morning and think, oh, my God, I've got to go to work or I've got meetings with clients or oh, I really enjoy it. And I think that makes a big difference. I also think I work with people I like, both internally in my team but also my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't work with any clients that we don't get on with or that we don't think we can help. So that makes a big difference as well. Do you know, Craig, it's funny, as, as we're talking about business owners and growth and, uh, and, and that strategic planning and then about the enjoyment factor, something that I've seen happen a lot is that uh, a business owner will have that, that spark, that idea, let's get going, let's, you know, they get a couple of people around them, they've got a product, they've started, they're, they're into it. Two, three years later, you meet up with that same person and the stress lines are on their eyes and, you know, they're, they're absolutely buried uh, and they are not enjoying what they set out and to create. I, have you come across that yourself in, with your clients that they, they have an incredible business but they get so bogged in it that they lose the joy of actually operating it? Yeah, and the big problem with that is most people go into business because they're particularly good at something. Yeah. Now, that something might be, writing uh, you know, legal opinions if you're a solicitor or fixing air conditioning if you're an air conditioning or, you know, whatever it might, sign writing, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter what it is, but you're actually a good technician. Yep, yep. 
when you get to a business where you've got 20 people reporting to you and you've got BAS to lodge and payments and super and accounts and tax and HR and safety issues, you're no longer an air conditioning mechanic or a sign writer. You're now a business owner. Yeah, it's right. a completely different set of skills. Mm. You've never been trained for that. You've been trained 15 different ways to fix an air conditioner, but no one ever taught you about HR yeah. and super and BAS and you know all the problems that you're going to have there. So you're way out of your depth. Yep. And that transition from technician to business owner, I mean, Michael Gerber talks about this a lot in the EMIF. It's the same thing. But it's really uncomfortable for most people. And I have several clients. I've got one at the moment I'm talking to. Very successful business owner, turns over tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago he said to me, mate, I'm just a good plumber. You're right. And he likes going out. His favourite thing to do is just to jump in the van with one of the guys and go and fix up someone's dunny or someone's plumbing problem because he's actually good at it and he enjoys it and he, it's in his comfort zone. Yeah. But he's got 30 people working for him, 10 vans on the road, two factories. Like it's not, he's not a plumber anymore. He's a business owner. It's a big difference. Coming back full circle then into succession planning, do you ever have to take that, um, uh, I guess, strategy position with a client where they have morphed into the business owner and they're not enjoying it because they want to get back on, you know, into the, the area that they, that they love? Do you, ever, do you ever have the situation where you, you're removing the business owner from the, from the ownership and putting them back into the environment that they, that they thrive in? And that's one of the great strategies. That's one of the things that can work really well. If you want to be a great, if you're a great plumber and you want to be a great plumber, be a great plumber. Yep. Doesn't mean you can't own the business. It doesn't mean you can make the same sort of money. And it actually makes your business more valuable if it's not all dependent on you. Yeah, right. Go and put a general manager in to run that business. We use, you mentioned in the introduction, we do a lot of work with employee share plans. Mm. So we give our employees equity in the business they're working for, Mm -hmm. which aligns their interests with the owners and gives them lots more efficiency and lots more productivity as a result of their financial reward, then the owner doesn't need to be the CEO. And there are lots of quite good successful businesses where they've grown over time and they really ramp up when the owner actually steps back and puts someone else in as a CEO. And maybe you need someone that's got sales and marketing skills. Mm -hmm. It might be a completely different skill set to what you've got, but you go and do that, you can really ramp things up. But for most business owners, particularly white Anglo-Saxon baby boomer Australian males, they're control freaks and they don't, that thought scares the crap out of them. They don't want to do it Yeah, right. because no one can run the business as well as them. Yeah, sure. So they, 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 instead they work for uh, 100 hours a week uh, in, a, in a position that they hate and wonder why they're not getting ahead. So mm-hmm. let's, um, uh, you mentioned the employee ownership program, which, which I think is a, a big area of expansion right now. Can you tell me, when you're, looking, when you're talking to somebody, let's say, uh, an entrepreneur who's a couple of years into the journey, maybe they've got only three, four, five people in their team, but they're starting to grow. At what point should they be looking at uh, an employee ownership program, do you think? Yeah. We've put a lot of employee share plan ownerships plans together for one employee. Yeah, right. So the question is, at what point do you get where losing a key person in your business will cost you money or lose clients or intellectual property. And for most business owners, that's only two or three people in. Yeah, right. Most small businesses, I've got two or three staff. You say, well, that, that guy there, if I lose him, I've got a very big problem. Right. Or if that and, and that's the point. There, you should literally try and tie them into some sort of equity. Yeah, why not? I mean, the research around employee share plans is fantastically positive. You know, there's not a lot of negativity around employee share plans. Mm. They've got, so the government bought in some tax concessions three or four years ago. 
But it's not about tax. It's more about the productivity and efficiency improvements you get mm. by aligning employee behaviour with owner behaviour. Mm. Mm. I often say to people, you know, if, imagine if you could get some of or even better all of your employees to think and act like a business owner. You get a very different outcome. I think most business owners would go, oh, God, if only, you know, that would be a, a fantastic Absolutely. Thing. They love it. So, Craig, the natural reaction I would imagine and, and the, the pushback that you would get from a business owner when talking to them about putting a, an employee share ownership program together for them would be, I don't want to give away a piece of my, a piece of my company. Yep. What do you say to that? That's often the case. Mm. Um, the reality is they're going to give away or lose pieces of their companies as employees go. Right. You've got a key employee in your business that manage, you know, to use the old example of the accounting practice I used to used to have, you know, I had several key managers in there that had all the client relationships with their group of clients. One of those managers walked out the door, clients went with them. Doesn't matter what I did or how I did it, clients yep. would go with them because they liked that particular person. Yes. They've been dealing with them for years. They know them well. So my view is if you want to build a larger pie, then it's about having a smaller slice of a much larger pie. Nice. I like that analogy, actually, because it's, it's not about giving away a percentage of what you've already got. It's about building something bigger and taking a smaller slice, but then everybody's getting more as a, as a result. Correct. Of, yeah. And you've I, got employees said, like, you're going to lose a piece of... Sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. You go. If you've got employees on the same page that have also got a slice of the pie, then you're all aligned. Yeah. You're all trying to do the same thing, grow the pie. Yeah. The bigger the pie, the bigger everyone's slice. doesn't matter whether four people have got a slice or six. It's about how big the pie can be. I like that. What about, um, uh, and um, guys, I want you to know that if you want to uh, get in touch with Craig, come across to successionplus.com.au and, and really engage with this man in terms of strategic planning. So I don't want to take business away from you with the next question, but what about in the situation where we've got employee share ownership programs and you still have that person, they've got a, an equity stake and they want to leave? Like what happens in that situation? They've got an ownership stake in the, in the thing and you've put that in place so that they stay. But their situation's changed, something's happened, they need to go. Does that dissolve easily if you've done it right? Yeah, look, they, it's about how you design the plan up front because that can happen. It doesn't happen a lot, to be honest. Once people jump into an employee share plan, they generally stick around for a long period of time. But as you said, their circumstances could change. You know, yeah. something happens, they've got to leave or they've got to move into state because of a family issue or something, whatever it is. Um, what you do with the employee share plan is design it so that if they leave firstly, they're no longer eligible to be in the plan yep. and there's a mechanism where you can buy them back out. Okay, yep. And a funding structure around how that works. And ideally, the, the best thing with these plans is they've got a succession plan built in because if I've got, you know, 20 people in my company, I've got five or six key people, hopefully if one of them leaves, I've got another person coming through the ranks that I can then add to the employee share plan to replace the person that's just left. Mm, okay. But I've got to have that design into the plan up front. So that actually, that links the two topics really well because you talk about that employee share ownership program being a fantastic way to structure for an exit. So how does that work when you've got, as you said, 20 people, you've got a founder now that want to exit. Do they just naturally fit into that same, do the rest of the employees buy them out? Like, is that again... You mentioned that that's a great way to, to think about a, an exit plan. Is that how that all plays together? You've got 20 people and, who you know, 19 of them now buy out the other one? Yeah, look, gradually, the key thing about employee share plans is you've got to have time to make this happen. Right. You can't, you can't look now and say, okay, I want to retire in June 2020, which is six months away. I'm going to put a share plan and it'll work. It, it won't right. work like that. Not okay. the right way. 
But if you do it gradually over time, it actually meets a couple of key needs. What we're seeing with baby boomers, lots of them have made fairly serious money outside the business. Mm-hmm. We deal with clients that are pretty successful. They're making good money in their business. They're investing outside of it. So they don't necessarily need to get maximum cash dollars on the day they retire. Mm. But what they have got is generally a couple of other key requirements. One is they want the business to continue after them. That's their legacy type model. You know, they've, yep. so many times you see a business that's called, you know, Craig Weston Sons yep. and it's about the business continuing on after I retire. Yeah, sure. That's number one. Number two, lots of baby boomers and lots of business owners now are saying, I want to look, make sure my employees are looked after. Okay. I want the business to continue after I leave yep. and I want the employees to be looked after. So how we design employee share plans is to try to deliver all of those outcomes, a financial outcome for the owner, a gradual buy-in for the employees because in a lot of cases they can't afford to write a cheque for $10 million to buy my business tomorrow because they haven't got the money to do it. Yep. But if they could do that over 10 or 15 years, it's quite achievable. Yep, sure. And then the legacy piece, make sure the business is successful after I leave and make sure my employees are looked after and rewarded yep. for obviously years and years of service. Now, if you can design all that together using an employee share plan, what you create is a win for the owner, a win for the employees, and a win for the business. Yeah, and that that always works if you can get that structure right. It works really well. Fantastic. What about the uh, what about the business owner, Craig? That, that you're sitting in front of them, they they say to you, "Look, this all sounds great, but I've got 20 employees, and only five of them." are my people. The rest of them could come and go and I wouldn't care. Like, how does, an, how does that work in that situation? Can, can, you, can you have an, a business owner that delivers a, a share ownership program to select people but not others? Yeah, and that, that's typically the case. Now, in some, I've got some clients that have got all their employees in their employee share plan. That works really well. Mm. But often it's exactly what you said. And I think if you think about a business with, you know, 10 employees, you're going to have two or three that you really need. If yep. they left tomorrow, you'd be devastated. You're going, oh, my God, they've got a very big problem here. Yep. There's another five in the middle that are good employees that you really want to stay, but if they leave, it's not the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably one or two that if they left tomorrow, you'd pay you beauty about time. Right. right. The key is let's lock in those top three. Yep. And ideally, what you can do is use the employee share plan as a reward mechanism for the next five. Yeah, great. Okay, to incentivize them to perform. Yeah, what you want is the next five to be coming to your office and saying, how do I get into the share plan? I want to be in that group. I want to be part of that team. And you might have to have a pretty direct conversation that says, well, actually, Craig, you can be in that, but you really need to get your act together around X, Y, and Z. Yep. And that creates a bit of a carrot for that employee to lift their game. Yeah, definitely. And ideally, I mean, if you think about any business, if you can lock in 70 or 80% of your workforce, and motivate them through an employee share plan, you will see a dramatic improvement. Fantastic. Fantastic, mate. I, I, really, I really value that advice, Craig, because I think so many small business owners, entrepreneurs have no idea about that kind of thinking and planning and in terms of um, uh, breaking up the, the control, I guess, and, and getting, getting it into the hands of the people who are at an operational level and how that can boost the performance of the company overall, as you said, creating a bigger pie that more people share in it and, of course, reducing the headaches of stuff, turnover and all that kind of thing as well. So, mate, I really appreciate that. I think that's, um, that's huge advice. Thank you so much. Craig, I- I'm conscious of your time. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for the chance to jump on and, and spend time with you. If you could, if you could um, stand in, on a stage right now in front of a group of, of entrepreneurs who've all just got their business registration numbers, they've all got their new business hats on and it's day one for them and you could deliver them a five-minute, uh, you know, 
make sure you tick these boxes kind of thing. What sort of things would you, would you say you must do starting yeah, out think- to, get, to get things in place? Yeah, the key things would be begin with the end in mind. So start with what you want to end up with. Don't build a small business that you've got today, but start to build. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to waste money. You, you know, you're a startup, you haven't got a lot of cash, you can't just throw money around. But you can start with a design of what your business is going to look like in 10 years' time. Start, begin with the end in mind and have that model in place. Don't make everything about you. So number two is don't make everything about you which means don't control everything, don't manage everything, don't micromanage your staff. You know, I've st- I still see clients today that have got a $10 million turnover business and they authorise every payment, they approve every document that goes out the door and you just go, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. What kind of hell have you created for yourself by doing that? Yeah. That cannot be fun. But never so you don't make everything about yourself. Recruit the best people you can possibly find, ideally smarter than you. And better and better than you at management or sales or whatever the, financially, whatever the skill set you need. But then, when you recruit those really good people, get out of their way. Let them do what they do freely. Do it their way, not your way, and you'll see that you can get a dramatic improvement. And then understand that you've got to share that pie with them to really ramp it up. I love it. I love it. I, in fact, I think if if a business owner or an entrepreneur can can rewind and listen to that last two minutes alone, I think that would take anybody's business forward multiple steps. Craig, thank you so much. Mate, what, what are you working on? What are the plans now for, for you, for Succession Plus? What are the big goals? Yeah, look, we opened, uh, we opened internationally. We've been in New Zealand for quite a long time, but, um, and I don't want to be nasty to New Zealand, but that's not international for most Aussies. Yeah, sure, that's across the pond. <laughs> pretty close. Um, you know, Auckland for me is a lot closer than when I go to Perth. So uh, we've been in New Zealand for quite some time. We opened in the UK, though, in, in July this year. Brilliant. Um, so that was a big step. Um, and we're looking now at other areas, English-speaking countries internationally that we can expand into. Fantastic. So we're looking at licensing our intellectual property into those other countries because they've all got a similar demographic around baby boomers that own businesses that are looking to get out. So that's sort of one side of it. Um, I should finish my doctorate this year in uh, in employee share plans as a succession tool, which has been a pretty long, hard slog, and I'll be very pleased to get rid of it. But I've enjoyed the process. It's been a really interesting sort of very different to what I do day to day. So that's been quite interesting. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's, that's sort of where I'm headed. We're, I'm, only, I'm only 51, so I'm nowhere near ready to exit yet. Yep. Um, but I have got an exit strategy in mind and documented. So. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the other thing is I'm still enjoying what, I'm, what I do. I enjoy working with clients. I meet lots of really interesting business owners that are doing really cool things and awesome. really interesting ways to make money that you'd never think of. Yeah. And I like learning and seeing that. I think it's really interesting to see what people are doing and how they're doing it. Fantastic. The future Dr. Craig West on succession planning, on planning for your exits and making sure that that payday is really the one you want, on making sure that your legacy stays in place. And, of course, as we said, you can, you can touch base with Craig and his team. You can get advice. You can become a client of uh, Craig's now international team at successionplus.com.au. Craig, thank you so much for your time, man. I've really enjoyed it. I think the advice there for business owners is invaluable. And, again, just a really thank you for the time and, and uh, I wish you all the very best for the next, uh, the next journey. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Cheers, man. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.